You may be seated. Wow, thanks guys. That was fabulous. If you didn't receive one of these when you came in, would you raise your hand and the ushers will get you one of these pieces of paper? A few over here. Some over here. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about one another's. In fact, this is going to be a series that's going to be the best series ever given at this church, right? And uh, so these are a bunch of verses that I have found on the one another's. This is not an exhaustive list. The Bible just, and Jesus and Paul and all the apostles had so much to say about the one another's. And I've got to confess to you, I always try to confess something when I get up here, and this is my confession. If you look at the middle, you'll find greet one another with a holy kiss. That's halfway through. That was my life verse in high school. Um, I think in today's language, it would be text one another every hour. You know, that, that's how it might flow now. But we're excited about this series and what God is going to continue to do to make us like Jesus, both as individuals and as a church body. And you can follow along at home uh, or here on your phone if you go to the Bible app and type in events or find that. The outline is there or on the screen. What's not on the screen is what I'm going to read from John chapter 13, page 1079. Because this is kind of a starting point when I think about the one and others. As you read the Bible, I don't know if you're like me, that you find some things in the Bible that are absolutely stunning. That you read this and you're going, no way. And those things can be miracles. Those things can be the movement of God. It sometimes can be God speaking directly to you about something. But this is always one of those no way passages for me. In John chapter 13, and I'm going to start at uh, verse 1, the last night of Jesus on earth. Now think about it. Here he is. He's come to save the world. And And he knows that. And the last night on earth is recorded in John thirteen through seventeen, and in verse one it says, "Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. You know, he's going to love us to the end too. Some of us are closer to the end than others." And he will love us to the end. You know, I just hope when I come to the end that I can crawl across the line with joy and have my mental capacities. That's not always true. And it's so grievous. But he will love us to the end, no matter our condition. And then when you jump down to verse 5, 4 and 5, it says, He got up from the meal. He had a meal with his friends. And took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. I'm sure the place was dead silent, like, what's this? And after that, he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. His last night. And then when you go over to verse 13, he says this, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. That is so stunning to me. When you think about leaders in any realm, business leaders, government leaders, spiritual leaders, teachers, coaches, is this the practice to wash their feet? Jesus redefined something here. For all of us, of regardless of who we are, where we are, what we're about. And we're going to look at what he says in John 13, 34 and 35. Because when he finished this scene, he had a teaching for them. And this is what it says. I think this is on the screen. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, Jesus is the master at simplifying things. Someone came to him and they, they asked him, What's the greatest commandment? And he said, he simplified all the, the whole Bible. He said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything falls under those categories. And here with his disciples who he had lived out a life of love, loving God for them. And he loved them to the very end. He gives a new command. Simple. Simple. It's simple to be a Christian. It's simple to live a Christian life. And here it is. Love one another. Well, I have three things to take away from this verse. First of all, loving one another is not optional. It's a command. We're commanded To love one another. Jesus came and says, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. What did he send his son to do? To love the world. As the father loved the world. And the one thing that stands out as we read the gospels is that Jesus loved each and every individual. When you see all the stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of individuals encountering Jesus... He loved them. He was kind and encouraging. He was healing in his words and actions. But sometimes that love was tough love. Like the stories of the Pharisees who would come to test him and ask him questions. He would do tough love with the truth. He spoke the truth in love. 
Jesus was not a pushover. He was not a doormat. He was able to say no and deliver hard words like, get behind me, you Satan. He was an example of almost all of these 24 things. Jesus was an example of these. And these words describe him. In 1 John 4, he, John, who wrote the story of the last supper with Jesus the last night, he says in John 4, 1 John 4, as an old man, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. The message did not change. For when it was first written in the book of John to 1 John, the commandment was the same. Love one another. Love one another. The second thing I want to say is that God loves each and every individual. It says, love one another as I have loved you. Our ability to love one another is based on our ability to be loved by God. Our ability to, as we know him, then we, be, we then have the capacity to love every other individuals. The Bible is the, the story of individuals whom God loved. Just think of all the characters of the Bible. Think of Hebrews chapter 11, where you go through that, that list of the heroes of the faith. God encountered every one of those. And he loved them as people. And you know what? He loves you. He knows your name. You're not some fine print in the story. You are in a significant, important part of God's story on this planet and in this church body and everywhere you go. He loves you. He has a message for you. He wants to shine through you. And nothing you do can cause God to love you less. And nothing you do can cause God to love you more. His love is totally consistent. He loves you on your best day. And he loves you on your worst day. The problem is you don't love you on your worst day, right? He loves us. Each one, and we are all different. God made us different. God loves different. He really does. He loves the diversity. Last weekend, I was in Kansas at a college retreat, and I had a seminar on long-lasting friendships. There were like 650 students at this retreat, and 238 of, 283 of them came to my seminar. And I'm saying, okay, guys, let's be clear here. This is not a seminar on dating, right? Nor, hopefully, is it a seminar on dying. This is a seminar on living well and building friendships. And as I'm speaking, I noticed a guy on, like, the third row, and... I'm old enough that I can kind of know who is college age and who is not. And this guy was not of college age. 
he was 41, and he was not one of the staff, and I noticed him, and when it was over, my second seminar, I uh, broke for lunch, and I was hoping to meet folks out there that I hadn't seen in a long time, and this guy got up and started moving toward me, and I thought, oh no, please don't. And uh, (laughs) I don't feel that way about anyone here, okay? Uh, I thought, please don't. And he he came, and I noticed he had a limp. I noticed that his arm, right arm and right leg were not working well. And he came up, and I'll just call him Jose. Uh, He was an immigrant from uh, Latin America. His parents had moved here. And as a teenager, he had had a uh, traumatic brain injury here in the U.S. And he was attending one of the Kansas schools. He was about to graduate with a degree in electrical engineering at 41. And as he began to speak to me, it it wasn't just his Latin American accent, but I could tell the brain injury had damaged his ability to speak. And I had to work hard to listen to him. And he said to me, he said, well, because of the disabilities, I'll summarize it, what he said, because of my disabilities, it seems like people don't like to be around me. And I don't have very many friends. I still live at my parents' home. And I just wonder if you'd have any tips on how I could get friends. And um, let me just pause here to say, this is not automatic for me to want to enter into the story of someone who's totally different from me and to listen to them and try to respond to them kindly. I mean, I had other agendas that I had on my list of things I wanted to do that day, but here he was. And so in my heart, I said, Lord, you know, here, here it is. Here I am, whatever. And so as I I talked to Jose, I said um, to him, "I, I can understand what you're saying. It's clear to me what you're saying. So you can communicate with other people. And I think one of the keys to building a deep friendship is to learn to be friendly. In Proverbs chapter 18.24, it says, in order to have friends, a man must show himself to be friendly. And I said, you could work at being friendly by being curious and asking people questions. And he said, I've never thought about that. He said, I've always waited for people to come to me. I never thought that maybe I should go to them and ask them questions. And I said, well, you're, yeah, you're different. And I'm sorry this has happened to you. But you can be used of God in asking people questions. Because that's one of the rare things on earth is for people to ask 
questions. And uh, I think if you'll be observant, you'll realize how true that is in your life. People asking you questions. There are different people. There are people with disabilities, with genetic abnormalities, with trauma, with different afflictions that are all around us. And every one of them, God loves. They're uniquely put on this planet, and they are uniquely brought into the path of your life so that you as a representative of Jesus, can take a step as best you know how with his help and love them. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Well, the third thing I get out of what Jesus commanded the disciples is that love is the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus. By this, everyone will know. The whole world will know. I wonder if we took a survey of people just on the streets, went down to UNL or went to the mall or something. I know I hate to see people with surveys out there. I want to kind of like eh, go around them. But let's say I wasn't in that attitude that day and uh, other people weren't. And they went up and they were willing to really be honest about the survey. And here's the question. What do you think the distinguishing mark is of people who truly, honestly follow Jesus? What do they look like? What do you think people would say? I kind of think they would say they're intolerant. They'd say, they've always got to be right. They would say, they're judgmental. They would say, they're bigoted. They would say, they're narrow-minded. They would say, they're outdated. Doesn't that kind of cover it? What people might say about rank-and-file Christianity in their brain when they're asked that? Let me get more personal. What if I went on your street and I asked people on your street or in your apartment complex or in your dormitory, people that live around you, and I said, what is so-and-so like? What would they say? What what would be your distinguishing mark? How do you mark people when you're around them? What if I went to work and did the same thing with your coworkers? We may think this is a new problem, but two, 200 years ago, two, 200, the year 200, that was more than 200 years ago, 200 AD, rumors were, were just stirring in the, the world of North Africa around the city of Carthage and in that part of the Christian uh, world. And there, there were rumors being circulated about what Christians taught and what Christians thought. And to clear the air, there was a man who left these writings. That's how we know about them. A man named Tertullian. He lived in Carthage. 
And he, he tried to explain the unjust accusations against Christians. And in his work, he wrote that these, these accusations were really out of jealousy because Christians dis- displayed a character of life that was different from everyone else. And here's what he wrote. It is mainly the deeds of a love so noble that lead many to put a brand on us. See how they love one another, they say, for they themselves are animated by mutual hatred. How they are ready to even die for one another, they say, for they themselves will sooner put to death. See how they love one another. Wouldn't that be an incredible brand to put on New Cove? The church where they really love one another. The church where they love the people that are around them. The church where they love the city. The church where they love the immigrants that God has brought here. The church where they they love the folks who have disadvantages in life. See how they love. 1 John 4.12, he says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The completion of God's word and the completion of what God wants to do starts in us. And then it doesn't stop there. It flows out. You see, I want to close with this, that our world is so hungry. People you know are so hungry for three things. They're hungry for something solid to rely on. What's solid to rely on? The government? Uh, They're looking something to look forward to. And our world is looking for something to give them meaning. And as Paul wrote the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 13, he said those are the very three things that are important. Faith, something that you can stand on that's solid. Faith that says, you know, not everything is subjective. There is something that is true and will always be true. Faith, hope. There is something to look forward to. You can look forward to being forgiven. You can look forward to a life that has an eternal aspect to it. And then he said, the greatest of these is love. Because that's what gives our lives meaning. You know, as we do the October serve or whatever, however Troy has morphed that word. I can't even say it, right? It's like those Hebrew words. Um, So what an opportunity to gain meaning in our lives. What an opportunity to say, 
I'm going to have meaning this week. My life's going to have meaning. I may, I may work at a dead-end job, but my job's not what gives me meaning. I'm going to figure out how I can serve someone and love them. And finally, this verse, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners Christ died for us. He did that for us. And, you know, we're, we're surrounded by people who don't know him and who are living in sin. And as we love them, we might be a doorway for them to know Christ. So what is the practical application of this thing? Here's what I would suggest. You take these verses... And this becomes a place where you begin to pray and ask God to help you. Some of these might be easier than others for you. But to open yourself and say, God, however you want to love people through me this week, would you do that? And as you look at these categories and read these verses, ask God to give you the strength and the ability and the vision to know how to love and serve people who are around you. Chris, I want to invite you to come up and talk about this series without critiquing my message. Uh, we're so glad you're here, you're, that you're on this stage. And uh, we, we don't know you, but we already love you. Yeah. Love you guys too. I... I uh... I can't critique your your message. Oh, um, so uh, that, that you, you're be, afraid I'd kill you, right? Right. That, that, be, that would be worse. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to uh, push the boundaries of your okay, life. Okay. So right. Soon. Yes. That that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm yeah. pretty fierce. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I you know church. I, I one of the things that I and I've loved about this entire process, and and I, when I tell people this and I share this with people, I said, did you know that the founding pastor for New Cove is still very much a part of that body is there and it's not awkward. Well, and speak for yourself. Well, <laughs> yet. Maybe, yeah. But, but I, I want you, what, you, do you know how rare that is? Like just, just how rare this is. And, and again, what, what a joy because I, you know, I, it's, Coming, coming along, you know, behind Pastor Tim and, and being here with Pastor Brett, what a privilege. What, what a joy uh, of just seeing this trajectory. But I think that the characteristic that has continued to define who New Cub is, is, is that characteristic of love. And so um, I'm so grateful and I'm, I'm so humbled and honored, uh, Pastor Brett. I, I, get to, I get to lean on you. I get to depend on you more than you realize that I'm, I'm probably going to, but to that continue, kind of scares me. Yeah, it does kind of, but, but to continue to glean on, on that wisdom, if you're, if you're concerned or afraid of where things are going, just know that we, we, we're going in new places, but new cub isn't changing. Does that make sense? The, the, the essence of new cub isn't going to change. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, pastor Brett, thank you. I, I did want to say just with, in terms of where we're going over the next uh, seven weeks now, is we're going to talk about this, and I'll call this a reflexive pronoun of one another.
but to turn this idea of one another into one anothering. And I don't know of a, a better place for us to start talking about this whole idea of one another than loving one another. Because as Pastor Brett said, this is the defining mark of who and what the church is to be. But, but again, we know sadly that this isn't necessarily how people tend to think about the church. And, and I'll just, I'll, I'll add this too. You know, God has not given, you know, 2 second, second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind or self-discipline. I don't know about you, my love has limits. However, when we're loving out of the love of Christ, a, a love that knows no limits, we, we need something supernatural to be at work among us. Would you agree? Yeah. And so, so let's, let's continue to lean in and be a, a community that is dependent on the supernatural work of God in us that we might be a one-anothering people, first and foremost, a people who love one another. And so this is going to take us up to, up to Thanksgiving. And Pastor Brett's already put the weight on this, saying this is going to be the best series that has ever <laughs> been. I'm not going to preach all these Sundays. So that's, a, that's a good thing. But... Uh, church, let's, let's, let's continue to be known as a people who love one another because by our love, the world will know that we're his disciples. And by our love, our love will continue to transform one another and transform the world around us. And we trust that. So can I, can I pray for us before we move into a time of giving? And uh, we're, we're, we're giving not because we have to, we give because we get to. Because God loved us so much that he gave. And so that's can another defining. Can I pray defining. first? I'll pray first. You're going to pray, pray first? Yeah, oh, I but no, I am no. yielding. I am yielding to Pastor Brett here. Absolutely, yeah. Father. This is our brother Chris, mm-hmm. and it feels like Christmas to us. <laughs> it feels like you brought a wonderful gift to us, and we have yet to receive Molly and those wonderful children. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. We are so grateful for your grace that you've brought him, that you've released him from this church in North Carolina, who loves him. And Lord, we just pray that we treat him well. Pray that uh, this would be a wonderful partnership and that your kingdom would grow and that we would grow in knowing you because he's here as someone who is a gifted leader whom you've given us. So, God, we say thank you. Amen. 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 Father, we, we thank you again for, for this morning. Thank you for bringing us back you know, to this foundational truth that uh, we are a people who have been called to you by your love. We are a people who are being transformed by your love. We are a people who are called to be known to this world by our love. And, and, and yet, God, we, we know that as, as finite, broken, messed up people, God, our, our love has limits. And so, God, would you continue to be at work in us that, that your love, God, might be uh, poured into us and through us, God, uh, onto one another, onto the world around us. God, again, thank you so much for the, for the opportunity for us to begin with this focus of loving one another, God. May, may that resound in our hearts this week, in our minds. Uh, may you challenge us. Um, God, God, with that, remind us. God, I'd love what Pastor Brett said earlier, God, that... Uh, they're, they're, you love us in our best and our worst moments, but sometimes we have trouble loving ourselves in our worst moments. God, help us to be loved by you this week. Uh, for some of us, that, that, will, that will change everything. And Father, thank you so much for um, God, Pastor Brett's uh, love, God, for 
Lincoln, the city, God, the vision that you laid on his heart years ago, that God that has become a, a community among other churches in this city to proclaim the love of God through Jesus Christ. And so thank you, Father. Thank you for this new season that we are stepping into. And may it be for your glory. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Well, let's uh, take a moment to uh, give our offerings to God. If there are prayer requests that you have to share with us, uh, we'd, we'd love to hear that too. You can write those on the card in the, in the seat pockets. And um, let's, let's give to God and, and reflect on what we've heard. <laughs> 